Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers, last time on Dungeon Drunks, our heroes are aboard the Scarred Serpent, a ship they have chartered to take them to the Corinne Archipelago. There they hope to find the hidden lair of a cult de Baphomet, who have recently stolen one of the legendary and powerful instruments of the bards. Worried that their current quest might catch the eye of Thuntorvrak, the blue dragon they worked with many months ago, Travancore suggested a closer examination of a sending stone the dragon gave them. And after identifying the object, Jonathan decided to cast sending through it. He found out that Thuntorvrak does in fact have the other sending stone and received a curious reply to his attempt at an innocent message. Now they're all standing in their cabin on the ship trying to decide what to do next. And that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lauren, also known as Oboe Crazy, and I am going to start off 2019 with a gift of a drink that is also going to be an on-air tasting. So at this point, it was about a month ago. It was just after friends of the show, Carly and Nathan, came to visit. They were up for the Child's Play charity event. And they brought for Luke and I many wonderful gifts, one of which being a variety six pack of drinks, some ciders. So there will be some additions to the cider war. But the drink that I'm going to be enjoying today from their six pack is Odin's Gift Ember Ale from the Odin Brewing Company. It's got kind of an epic Odin on the can there. Now, I I am pretty sure I've had some of Odin's brewing before, but I think it was the Thor's stuff. This is the first time I've had this, so we're going to give this a try. Live tasting. Ooh, it's got a little bit more of a kick to it than I expected. It's pretty good. I love the art. I like the drink. I think I'm going to have to um, sample this some more. It's got a, a nice caramel note, but it's got a bit of a hit of an IPA uh, hoppiness on the end that I'm going to have to just get used to. But hey, I'm excited to try out all these drinks, and I'm excited to hear about Bernie. What are you drinking? Hello, Distinguished Adventurers. For our very, very, very first recording of the new year, I have a beer that Stephen actually got for me from Collective Arts, which he knows I like. And it's pretty much right up my alley. It's a sour beer, and it's dry hopped ale brewed with raspberry. And I haven't tried it yet, so I'm really excited. Our second live tasting. I love it. Oh my gosh, this smells really good. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's like, have you ever had Frambois? Very long time ago, yeah. Like, or a, any kind of Lambic beer. Yeah. And I love, and they're very soda-ish, they're super, they're really sugary, which makes sense. But this is sort of, to me, feels like the realization of what, in my mind, I get Lambics are Lambics are Lambics, they're there for a reason. This is like, almost like a sour Lambic beer. Mm. It's. I mean, it's definitely an ale, so it's not like, officially like... Just a straight up like strawberry beer or raspberry beer. It's so good. It's sour instead of overly sugary. Uh, nice. It's and it's kind of this pretty purpley pink color. <laughs> well, while you enjoy more of that, Jonathan, what are you drinking? 
Hey, this is Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magimuscular, and tonight I have a riff on the Cuban Missile Crisis. So uh, I am staying with a friend of the show, uh, Larry, a.k.a. Dark Schneider from the Rooster site. Yay! And uh, he had some lime vodka that were part of experiments to try and find just a really good lamb, uh, lime vodka. Uh, the one that he ended up settling on... You throw it on ice, and it is basically like drinking a margarita. It's fantastic. This is not that lime vodka right here. <laughs> okay. Uh, in his journey to get there, he experimented with many vodkas. So this is one of the lesser lime vodkas. But I had an idea, so I threw it over ice, threw in some normal, uh, regular vodka, and then threw in some cola. And it's actually really good, but it's not quite a Cuban Missile Crisis. And since it's got the double helping of two different kinds of vodka, I call it the Cuban Double Cross. Ooh, <laughs> and it's I good. like that. That's Very nice. And tonight's uh, tonight's swig of fireball, because I have a little <laughs> little old fireball bottle here, uh, to be consumed at the first casting of fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, is dedicated to new patron, Jackie Green. <gasps> Yay! Thank you so much for, uh, cheers, for contributing. Yes, cheers, Jackie. This shot of fireball, or swig, swig of fireball, <laughs> will be for you. I am excited to see how much you actually drink of that when it we happens. We will see. It, it might be dependent on what actually you drink it for. If it is a, an actual fireball, there might be more. And if it's... Who knows? I'm excited. I'm also excited for Travancore. What are you drinking? None of the... Faerun Alcon. Oh, maybe English. English. Just got back. Okay, English. <laughs> Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is a gift from uh, from the guy who housed it for us, my good buddy Gil. He took it upon himself to watch my dog at a time of crisis where my original dog, walk Ricky Watching Plans, fell through. He came through for me. He stayed here for a month. He took good, great care of Ricky, and he even left us a walk, little welcome home present. It is oh. Leonard Kreuz's, and I apologize to all the German people ahead of time, Gewurztraminer uh, Reinheisen. It's sort of similar to a Riesling, but it's even drier believe it or not. I rather enjoy it. I got little hints of grapefruit in there, and it's, uh... I was living dangerously today. You know, I broke all the rules. I made meatloaf and mashed potatoes for dinner. You'd think you pair with a red wine. No, white wine, because <laughs> this is the year 12,019. I do what I want now. You do what you want. <laughs> Live your best life. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and you know who hopefully is also living their best life? Carlton. What are you drinking? Uh, unfortunately, I'm not living my best life, because I'm on the tail end of a really bad head cold. Oh. So I've got... A very tall glass of orange juice. But also, I feel like it's not really the same without a shot of something. So, at the first rage of the night, I have a shot of Dayquil. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Actually, I, 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 I don't like. I don't want you to take a shot of Dayquil because it's going right, to be wait, like... The first rage or when my lungs can't take it anymore. Dayquil okay. has caffeine in it, right? No. Oh, okay. I no, think Dayquil the... was designed to keep you awake in it the way that Nyquil... It doesn't have the antihistamine, which is what puts you to sleep. Okay. Uh... I was like, how are you going to go to sleep tonight? And then I was Don't like, worry, I have should... other drugs for that. Okay. I was like, you should just take Nyquil. <laughs> and then I was like, no. And then fall asleep during recording? No. Exactly. Well, like, have you guys ever... This is such a tangent. We... Carlton goes into a narcoleptic rage. <laughs> well, no. Oh, no. Carlton <laughs> was like... Ah! <laughs> 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 I'm so rage. 
angry! Actually, you know what? Apparently, narcolepsy is t- at times and triggered by extreme emotions. That I, I've watched, I was at my parents' house, watched commercials for the first time, saw a lot of commercials for narcolepsy medication. You should talk to your doctor. Please. Yes, none of us are actual doctors. We have a cleric, but we do not have any actual doctors. Do not take any health advice from yeah, us. Yeah, my cleric's advice, my official medical advice is always talk to the medical professional that knows your body. But no, so... Have you guys seen the Reddit threat or the Reddit subreddit? I don't know. The subreddit that's about people who stay awake when they should really be trying to sleep when they've taken Ambien? No. No. I want to say it's r slash the walrus. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> because they talk about like the like basically for when the ambience kicked in and you did not go to bed and shit starts happening. Like goo 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 Yeah. Well, you meet the walrus. And I thought, oh, but he should just take his NyQuil now because it'll take a while. to. And then I'm like, no, we do not want Carlton to meet the walrus on the street. No, no, we plan on recording for more than half an hour. And I <laughs> I do think that that would be a disaster for, for both your health and our sanity. So I appreciate We could put that. it on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> paywall yes. content. Yes. Embarrassing things the behind paywall, the paywall. You see what happens when we give Carlton a normal doctor recommended dose of NyQuil. <laughs> and it's just Carlton sleeping for eight hours. <laughs> there we go. ASMR NyQuil, content. sponsor us. <laughs> All right. It has been a while since we have played, and that's why my my recap was slightly more extended. The last time we got a chance to play, we were together at PAX Unplugged, and it has been multiple weeks. But here we are in the same spot we left. I believe Bernie is currently holding the sending stone that was the cause of so much uh, fun joy from the last episode. The pocket house is still activated in your tiny little room on the Scarred Serpent. You are all crammed into this room. What would you like to do? I had a plan, like, after we... But that was so many moons ago. Carlton. (laughs) Yeah. The finger had lowered on Bigby's hand, but then it raises again. It's like, not up your butt, right? No, not up the butt. All right. Please, please no. No, okay. no, 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 Is no, Bernie no. still in the pocket house? No, you went to the pocket house. You got the sending stone from the Modrons. The, you had the moment where you talked to them, or you heard them talking in modem speak. And oh, then yeah. came back. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so you're standing there with the Sending Stone. You've returned from the Pocket House. It's still active. Any of you at any moment can go. The teleportation circle will be open for 24 hours until someone closes it in your tiny, tiny little room. Does anyone in the party have Grog currently? Uh, I think it's on the upper deck. I'm fresh (laughs) out. All right. And as I and as Jonathan the Magmuscular says this, he casts Mage Hand, and both the Mage Hand and the Big Beast Hand give thumbs up. Travancore is going to grab some grog from the nearest grog source, and he is going to go through the pocket house immediately after getting said grog. Okay, I'll say there's none that you know of on this floor, but you do know where there is some stashed uh, in the galley, actually. So you could go get a tankard if you want, uh, and then head to the pocket house. What are the rest of you doing? Bernie, uh, you've got the you've got the stone. Yes. Okay. I think, and I'm I say this. I love you very much, but you have lost your sending stone privileges. You understand this, correct? I I don't need them. I can send to whoever I want. I just, I miscalculated. So I just wanted to see 
I I thought that the feelings I got from the stone that I could figure out if he had it or not without sending a, a message, and that was not the correct ass- assessment on my part. So, and uh, uh, did you send a message? I did. I didn't mean to, but I did. And I, well, as soon as I felt like the mic was on, I was like, "Oh, um, we are fine. Everything is fine." So that my intention was not to send Thantor back a message as a test. I thought I could just test the rock. Can Bernie insight this? Because Julia the player can't remember. Sure, but... I'll say, Jules, that that is pretty much what happened. Okay, I couldn't remember if he just went, you up? And I, like, I'm pretty sure that's what my, like, booze-addled memory remembers him, like semi-sexting Thondor back so and I'm like Bernie the character oh, isn't supposed you, to know. Okay, yeah definitely <laughs> Jules the player created that because all it was was a misunderstanding of of jo- Jonathan drunk Jonathan's misunderstanding of what the instructions that Lauren was giving him. Oh okay so you, okay, wait. you like. In, in fairness to all you drunk people. We were drunk. Um, so I, drunk. Yes we were all drunk it was still funny. I did double check and ask Jonathan, so you're casting sending? And he said, yes. Jules, you, Jules, the person knows that, yes, what Jonathan just described is, is accurate. It's what happened. Bernie, what's your passive insight? Uh, let me pull this. Uh, passive insight is 10 plus your insight, right? That's correct. Oh, wow. Insight's based on wisdom. That's a 15. Yeah, you, you don't have to roll. He's... Jonathan feels bad enough. He's wearing his heart in his sleeve. What he's telling you, you you believe him. The the message, he's embarrassed about the message, but the message was innocuous. And what we also just learned here, folks, is that if it's been long enough in between episodes, we can start lying to each other and maybe not know, <laughs> which is why sometimes... You, you need not, a DM who's you like, you have to no. say, like, I'm not trying to metagame. I really can't remember. <laughs> so here's your opportunity to lie to me. <laughs> well, honestly, like, and this is partly my vanity and partly I, I genuinely enjoy our show. But also it reminds Jonathan, the sober person on Monday mornings. Oh, hey, that's what I did that one night in Philly. So, <laughs> yeah, does, that does. one night in Philly. Uh, Travancore, as this conversation is happening, (laughs) you wander to the galley, you get yourself a tankard of grog, and you've come back. I immediately go through the pocket house. I'm not talking to anybody right now. Wait, uh, do we... I thought we were closing this. Nobody closed it, unless you closed it while I was gone. No, no, I thought that was the plan, though. We don't want the pocket house active on someone else's ship. I've already gone through the pocket house. Oh. I didn't hear any of this. Yeah, I'll I'll go go get him. It's fine. Travancore gone. Jonathan says, I'll go get him. Gone. And I'm like, I just got a real bad feeling about all this. I'm gonna go keep my eyes on the skies. Yeah, that's... I feel like that could be useful because, I don't know, I got this sense of, uh, blue coming down, and not like the dog, my buddy blue, but like flying death from above blue. Yeah, I don't really know enough about how any of this. Yeah, I don't know how fast Thontorvac is. Like, last time we saw him, he just showed up. So, he could just show up here, too. Well, I mean, he... Uh, I was gonna say he can't just, but he probably, if he had... Oh, shit. It all depends on if he's been tracking us, doesn't it? You'll remember that Jonathan the Magimuscular determined that he could not track us through that stone. Okay, that's Through good. that stone. 
but not through other means. Well, yeah. I mean, there's no, I, I guess, yeah. Jonathan the Magimuscular can, espouse, can speak to that, like, when he gets back. He can't track us through the stone, but, I mean, you don't have to have magic to know what someone's up to. I mean, we're not... We haven't been completely co- like we haven't been completely covert about what we do. We make we leave a big footprint if you think about it. And asking about the five of us in Waterdeep wouldn't seem strange to anybody. And talking about us in a bar and gossiping about us in Waterdeep God, Lauren's making a face like, what a great idea, Julia. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I'll say this, all of you do know from recent experience, there are bards out there singing about your exploits already. And he does like bards. Yeah, he does like bards. You don't have to grease a palm to know where we've gone. I mean, you don't have to know why we've gone, but I don't think he'd need magic to know where we Anyways, are. I want to go and keep my eyes on the skies just, just to get, hopefully, catch a glimpse of our impending death. I'm gonna sit here and make sure nobody comes into our room and goes into our pocket house and tromps on the vegetables. Uh, as you leave, Carlton, the uh, the Bigby's hand waves. Would the Bigby's hand be left behind after you went through the... Is it concentration? It is. Do you have to but... be on the same plane? Do you? I, I don't know if it specifies you have to be in the same plane, but I think the Bigby's hand can only be a certain distance from you. So it might have actually disappeared when you went through. I love the web we have this that we almost got. You create a large hand of shimmering translucent force in an unoccupied space that you can see within range. So that's the initial casting. Okay. Uh, the, land, the hand lasts for the spell's duration, a minute, uh, and moves at your command, mimicking the movements of your own hand. So I guess what I'll do is Jonathan the Muscular will wave bye-bye as he goes through, and he knows that the big hand will wave at Carlton, too. <laughs> cool. All right. And so Jonathan the Muscular pops into the uh, into the pocket dimension. Yeah, so Jonathan goes on through. I just, I'm wondering. Well, you know what? I'll look at it later. It only lasts for a minute. So I'm going to say, basically, it waves and it kind of dissipates as Jonathan goes through the, the pocket house. Oh, that's kind of like beautiful. And like, yeah, Jonathan, how does your, when, when your Big B's hand goes away, well, does it just vanish? Does it like mist into smoke? Is it sparkles? What happens? Uh, I think for this one, it is going to be sparkly. So it's going to like kind of like a gossamer away. Just like, poof. Yep. As it's like waving, it just, when he's gone. Uh, Carlson, you're heading up uh, back up to the deck to keep an eye on the sky. You said, where would you like to post up? Um, Crow's Nest. Okay. I will say there is somebody already in there. Are you going to try to join them? Yeah. I'll make a friend. Okay, uh, you climb up the ladder up to the crow's nest, and you see there's a, a male human up there. He's got kind of scraggly black hair, piercing blue eyes, is scanning the horizon, kind of gives you a startled look when you look out at him. It's just like, hey, hey, whatcha, 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 whatcha? Whatcha, whatcha? I'm sorry, I don't speak whatcha. Yeah, what are you doing here? I figured I'd come up here, say hi, and you know, check out the skies. It's a nice night. You know, I heard the crow's nest is where it's where it's to be. Well, it's a, it's day and it's nice. Well, but a it's... nice day. You know, it's going to be a nice night. So I want to be here when night happens. Well, yeah. he looks around and the crow's nest is kind of a one person thing. And he kind of looks at the space he has as you're trying to maneuver your way in there. And he looks at you and he's like, I, this is really not a two person job, yo. 
All right. Well, you want to take a break? Uh, you're not. I'll leave you. You're not my relief. I don't. I don't think the captain's gonna want me to be leaving leaving this job to someone who's not on her her crew. I mean, you're you're just supposed to be along for the ride, right? Eh, you know, you know, stay out of the way. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, this is kind of out of the way, but this is yeah, kinda exactly. In- this is out of the way. Like everything else is down there. Yeah, but kind of in my way, and yeah, like when you try to walk into the crow's nest, basically the two of you are just like standing shoulder to shoulder, and your much larger frame is taking up quite a bit of space. I see nothing wrong with this. Ah, <laughs> uh, the dude does though. He's gonna be like, "Hey, listen, man, I I can't do my job when you're up here. I'm gonna need you to go back down." Can I get like ten, fifteen minutes just to enjoy the view? Make a persuasion check. All right, uh, skills. Hmm. Fifteen. He gives you a look, and he says, five minutes, all right? Just five minutes, take a look around, then go back downstairs. I mean, the view is nice, but five minutes? Sure. I'm going to spend the next five minutes scouring intently. Sure. Give me a perception check. Ooh, that's a, that's a one. Oh, it's a natural uh, one. A natural one, but a seven total. Carlton. Well, well, I'll tell you, all you see is ocean and ice and blue skies for miles, why do you fail miserably at seeing anything? <laughs> well, you know, I got up here and I'm really invading this guy's space and it kind of got to my heart. And then I was like, oh, wow, that lie I told about wanting to check out this beautiful like day and this wonderful ocean is true. This is really pretty out here. Maybe a little cold, but it's kind of serene and quiet and calm. This is nice. What was, why did I come up here again? What was I looking for? Huh? What? Fuck. It is it is lovely. And uh, I will say in those five minutes as you stand up there with this guy who's a little uncomfortable, he can see that you're enjoying the beauty. And so when he tells you, hey, hey, hey man, I, like, I, I got to make you go downstairs, but I'm glad you like the view. OK, maybe, maybe tomorrow. I'll let Where's you up the here. next best view on the ship? The second best view to see like everything. Dad be back by where the captain be. Up over by where the big uh, the wheel is. Uh, the big wheel. That's right, my the friend. Big wheel. All right, I'm gonna go to the big wheel. All right, as you climb on back downstairs, Travancore, thou hast entered the pocket house. Jonathan's gonna be right behind you in a moment, so we'll get to Jonathan in a moment. But what would you like to be doing? I'm making a beeline to the house. I'm sitting at our table. When I sit in the chair, I put my feet up on the table. I'm gonna drink from my grog. All right. Uh, and does Shadow follow you? I, you know, I'm gonna ask Shadow to stay just outside the house. Okay. So that's the, kind of the one thing you do before you enter is tell Shadow to stay. He'll actually uh, post up right outside the door. So Bernie, uh, when you're deciding, because you, you had said you were going to make sure nobody sees the pocket house. So I'll, I'll let you think of, for a moment about what you would like to do as you see Shadow is taking up his own defensive position to guard the door as it is. Travancore, you sit down in one of your chairs at the table and uh, feet up, take a swig. You see the Modrons are kind of busy doing their thing they they kind of came to attention when you came on in and it they were right there which is you know not odd but they were all right there they kind of acknowledged you and then as you went to the table they kind of left you to your own devices jonathan you enter the pocket house as well yes so jonathan medimuscular kind of strides in looks around he uh he goes into the house and sees travancore is like hey buddy i don't say anything Oh. Um, we're gonna close the pocket house, so we are not sure what happens to people in here. So didn't we leave somebody here before? I don't. I, and you we're did. not sure what happened to him. I mean, we wouldn't. Travancore would be stuck here for twenty four hours or whatever. Uh, I finished my my grog. 
and I just walk out wordlessly without saying anything to Jonathan. Alright, pop out. Alright, Bernie, as you are trying to decide what you're about to do, you see Shadow sitting there. Like, two minutes later, Travancore and moments after him, Jonathan appears. Alright, we can close it. Good, okay, um... And Bernie's gonna pick up the the nut, and it's gonna stay with her in a personal pocket, like so, okay. pocket, like all old right, school right. style pocket, you know, like <laughs> so. We're gonna, like we're talking. I like, love how all of us gave you a what kind of pocket? Not <laughs> no, no. I'm not old. Not like that kind of pocket, but not prison like, pocket. Um, <laughs> this is this is. We're just we're just establishing right now gonna, that Bernie has the nut because I think before Travancore was the keeper I just of the nut. Realized I just went down. I just went down that road. That's all right. You have the nut. I just down the road that you guys all went down when I wasn't thinking about going down a road. That's all right. That's what we're here for. Welcome to the dark side of the road. You guys put your hands in your pockets right now. They're sewn into your pants, jeans, sweatpants, whatever. Pockets were not originally sewn into clothing. Often a pocket was actually a separate pouch that you tied around your waist. And so... Bernie is, a, when I say pocket, Bernie is thinking more like a fanny pack thing that she's got somewhere on her person. And it is usually underneath layers of clothing. And then the, the there would be slits in sometimes your clothing where you could reach in and grab stuff from your pocket. But that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's not just like inner pants a pocket. Secure, it's in yes. a secure, okay. secure fantasy fanny pack underneath the clothing type situation that does not change. Okay. Along with the Sending Stone, which she realizes is a little futile because she can cast Sending and he can cast Sending and she can say, Alright, Carlton is out there staring at the sky, which is fine, but we might want to have a plan. Plans are good. Plans are great, actually. If you think about a plan, a plan or maybe a policy is there to kind of take over when shit hits the fan, right? That's what that does. Our contingency plan, when shit hits the fan, will take over so that when we are freaking the fuck out, we don't have to worry about making decisions. Because freaking the fuck out decisions are never really good decisions, if you think about it. Well, I don't, honestly, I don't see how we would, I, I don't know how we would deal with him differently. We talk, try and drive him off, and if we can't, we fight. Well, okay, okay, so here, that is, that is the beginnings of a plan. Because we talk, I get that, I think, when you said we talk, all three of us is, is Travancore still in the room or did Travancore like peace out? I'm I'm still here. I'm listening to everything. All three of us probably have a different way we might handle Thontor back. So I think so that if it does happen, and you know what? Better safe than sorry, because hey, the rain you plan for that doesn't show, you know? We need to decide what that talking's gonna look like, in my personal point of view, because I think we have to decide what we're willing to tell him. And I think you we can't just say, oh, we'll talk to him. Because I would really, really hate for all of us, for, you know, everybody to think we'll talk to him means one thing. And the person that starts doing the talking thinks it means the other. Okay. My, my thoughts on talking to him is we try to get him to leave. 
We do whatever we can without giving him any information to try and get him to leave. Say we're not interested. Say thank you. We appreciate how you've treated us in the past. The subtext there being not killing us. But Jonathan the Magimuscular is not interested in continuing forward. Basically, we have a gentle breakup with Thontorvac. And then, if need be, a less gentle breakup than Thontorvac. Um, I was a little bit seasick last time. Can you go back over exactly what your conversation with him was? I realized the mic was on. I said, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you? And he responded with, I'm fine, and I'm curious to see how fine you are. So I didn't tell him anything. He doesn't know where we are. And all he has is information that he already had. So I think the worst that I've done is pique his curiosity. Because honestly, he could probably easily find us one way or the other if he had wanted to in the first place. Yeah. So I also think that... There is something to be said for having an idea of the amount of information you are willing to give someone. Like, if we just say, hey, yeah, sorry, we're doing this thing, we're not interested, then he's going to say, what are you doing? And we're going to say, we really can't talk about that. And honestly, I'm worried that it'd be a little more intriguing than it is, oh, I should just go away. Kind, You know? So I think maybe we should have a plan that is Hey, sorry, we're on a mission. We're doing someone a favor. What is that favor? Well, there's some cultists that they're worried about. So we're going to go try to clear them out. And I, we don't mention the instrument. Oh, absolutely not. Oh, I, yeah. But I think we need to be willing. You have to be willing to give people a little bit so that they don't true. suspect something else is up. Jonathan the Magic Muscular does see the logic in this. So we, we, so we tell them about the cultists. We just tell them they're bad dudes that someone wants to clear out. I mean, how many adventurers go on less than that? And you can say you're doing it as a favor for the people you currently work for. That's true. We can say that. And Jonathan, if you hadn't called him sooner or later, he was going to activate. That's on his own for something. As soon as he got a lead on one of the Thalatier instruments or something else he wanted us to do, this was going to happen anyway. Like, we were kind of operating under this false sense of security that Thondravec had been dealt with or sated. But this was always going to happen. We just spent the timeline. Yeah. We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game available on Steam, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, Dice Camera Action, C-Team, Force Grey, and even more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. And speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folks who made Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest for the Steam version of the game to all of our listeners. Now this code expires on January 27th, 2019 at 8pm Pacific so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. L-E-A-P-S-I-E-N-M-U-Z-Z-A-N-A-S. So use that code, and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. 
And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show. What magic is good against blue dragons, Travancore? I'm going to do a check against my background to see what works. Sure. Give me a history check with advantage, since blue dragons are your favorite enemy. And fun fact, history was my major in college. I don't know quite as much as Jules, but I'm no slouch either. (laughs) I know specific things about specific things. Yeah. Like, that's what people forget about a history major. They're like, you must know everything about this this part of Chinese history. I'm like, uh, no, I yeah. did not focus on that. I also have breadth, but only depth when it comes to you know, certain things like China, Japan, Islam, and West Africa, that kind of thing. A little bit of American history, too. Oh, a high roll is 15. 15. Excellent. So you are very well, both personally and academically, acquainted with the fact that blue dragons are lightning-based beings. They are, like most dragons, they have a a frightening aura that they give off that is off-putting to a lot of people, not just because they are massively powerful beings, but there's almost a, a, a magical essence to it. You don't really know about any weaknesses? per se, but you do know lightning's not going to help with this guy. You also just know in general that dragons tend to be incredibly difficult to hit. And um, I'd say from both your experiences with this specific blue dragon and your knowledge about them in general, you do know blues are highly intelligent. And so they're going to be smart when they fight you. So we can assume that he might have a way to specifically counter all of our abilities. Well, he might. He can fly away, so that means that unless we figure out uh, a way for Carlton to fly, that takes him out of the fight. Don't you, can't you cast fly? I cannot. Our abilities, when we are in Greenest, we don't know how much he knows about what we've been able to do since then. That's true. If anything. But he does know that we we ha- they have a... That we have a divine and an arcane spellcaster. Yeah. And so you can kind of make some broad assumptions. I mean, if he's... It, let, let's let, look at it this way. If he talks to enough bards to find us, he knows how much I love fireballs. That's a fair point. So it's agreed that Bernie is the one who's going to talk to him if he when he calls back. Oh, well, are we well, okay? Oh, well, I do have the stone, I don't, don't think I? It, I don't think it should be Jonathan. I don't think it should be Carlton. No, I love Carlton, but it shouldn't be Carlton. <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> I want to, I know I fucked up just now, but I want to play devil's advocate for something. The reason why we didn't leave the stone in the pocket house was because if he called and it, it rang busy, that would be bad. If he calls back and it's not me on the other end of the line, is that also bad? No. I don't see why. He knows we're a group of four. Yeah. I don't see why that would be bad. We're like a package deal. Right. But let's say he figures out that maybe from how I sounded that I wasn't supposed to call or something like that. And then he calls back and he gets someone else. Oh, but that's easy peasy lemon squeezy, right? Like, you just say, hey, yeah, I'm really sorry Jonathan was drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's fair. 
I mean, I'm pretty drunk right now. Uh, so I'm just, all of this has been literally sobering. All right. So I have in my disposal fireball torpedo. So I don't really need to hit him. I just need to get close to him. And if he does manage to make himself just resistant to fire, he may not know that I can overcome that resistance. So he may, he may be uh, a little haughty as that goes. Bernie, what do you what do you have that could keep us from being afraid? Oh, I was thinking more along the lines of what I had that could shred his wings and keep him from flying. Ground him. It's not a bad idea. Grounding him, I think, it would be in a the water. good idea. I think, though, that we're going to need... Carlton's not going to get very many chances to hit him. Yeah. And, we, and he can't be afraid when he does so. And... Travancore is probably going to be our best source of consistent non-magical damage. Or non-spell damage, I guess I should say. So we need to make sure that he's not afraid either. I've got some buffing things. I can get out the terry cloth towel and fix things up for you guys. It'll be fine. Travancore wants to check to see how soon... Like, like they're not exactly next door to Greenest or wherever Thontravac is. He wants to see how long it would take Thontravac to get to where they are given his knowledge of dragons and where they are in relation to the Sword Coast and all that. So I'll say from that check from before, you know dragons can fly pretty far, and you also know blues are pretty fast. There's no way, if he was based even within 100 miles of Greenest, there's no way within a couple of days he could fly to you, even if he knew exactly where you were. So at least as the dragon flies, it would be several days. Assuming he has no other means of getting to you, you know, he's not showing up in the next hour. So it's possible that we get this whole thing done before he even calls us back. If he if he were to leave right now from where you think he might be around Greenest, if he is there and was to fly straight for you, you would not, you would assumably be at this cultist lair and not on the boat anymore when he could possibly arrive by. With with all of those ifs, ands, or buts in your mind as as you're doing the beautiful mind calculation thing. <laughs> These are like outlier uh, asterisks. <laughs> I have an idea. It require it I have an idea. So if he's if he hears songs about us, he knows about uh, our time at Greenest, he will probably hear about our time in the Feywild and how we came back to Waterdeep. What if after this is done, we don't go to Waterdeep? But what if I t- what if I send us to uh, Neverwinter instead? But we have to go to Waterdeep. We have to tell you. I'm just saying that I can message I can message uh, Master Zick and let him know what's going on. But just as a let's say he does figure out where we're going, and he, being a smart dragon, figures out about where we should be. He can cover lots of ground. He can easily cover the entire archipelago from the air. And then he might figure we go back to Waterdeep. But what if we did not go to Waterdeep? What if we went to the Academy of the Arcane Arts, where I went to school? They've, got a tele- they've probably got a teleportation circle. I think they did. And I could try and message one of my old professors there and say, Hey, can you get us access to the teleportation circle, it's kind of an emergency. The only problem with that plan is it brings a chromatic blue dragon to Waterdeep who might think to start breaking things to get it to lure us out from wherever we are. Yeah. You don't think Waterdeep can handle itself against one dragon? 
Will I, I don't know. Okay, I can. Do. It's not that I no. So here, I think it's not about they can't handle it because I think they could. It's just not fair. It's not fair to make someone else clean up after your mess. And this is definitively our mess. And if we were willing to go up against Thontorvac for the sake of Greenest, we should be willing to go up against Thontorvac for the sake of Waterdeep. Just because Waterdeep's a bigger city doesn't mean it deserves the shit we bring down on it. I'm just saying that Thontorvac may not do anything. Thontorvac may have other means by which to survey Waterdeep because messing with Waterdeep, messing with Greenest, wouldn't have cost him much. Messing with Waterdeep could cost him quite a bit. Travancore? Yeah. Outside the door, you hear uh, Shadow, who had been plunked outside as a as a bodyguard, essentially. Uh, his giant bulk stands back up, and you hear him shuffle a little bit, and you hear a muffled voice, seems to be coming down the hallway, is just like, okay, no, it's it's all right. Listen, nothing important. I just what you oh okay, careful boy, careful. I'm gonna let Shadow back in. I think we should table this conversation until Carlton can also weigh in. Uh, jo- Jonathan, when we do pick this up, Jonathan the Magimuscular wants to, but Jonathan the Magimuscular would want to consider the defenses that Waterdeep has available. Sure. Okay, Travancore goes to the door and opens it, and you can see Shadow hasn't, Shadow's taken a defensive-ish posture, not hostile defensive, mostly like, he's been ordered to guard the door, and you can see he's almost tried to make himself large enough to, like, goalie the door, just down the hallway, like, 15 feet away, respectful distance, hands up, like, whoa, big boy, you actually see the... You see one of the crewmen from upstairs. Um, it was the same one that was hanging out with, with Bernie a couple of hours ago. And he sees you open the door. He's like, oh, okay, good, good, good. Hey, listen, I just wanted to, just to let you know we're, we're about to do some dinner. And we're probably going to anchor for the night in case you, you wanted to know about that. Okay, but the, the, your, bear, your bear's fine, right? Bear's fine? Bear's fine. Thanks for letting us know. Bernie's gonna poke her out out and see. Did you say something about food? Yeah, yep, Jonathan yep. the Magic Muscular's head pokes out above Bernie. He's like, "Oh, I think I heard something about food." Yeah, <laughs> three Stooges styles. The three of you. Yeah, he nods. In doorway. <laughs> <laughs> he nods. He's like, yep, down in the galley, just just some basics, just nothing special. And then we're gonna anchor for for the night. The the seas around you are calm, but there's the icebergs and everything. We got gotta watch out for. So just just letting you know. And he kind of backs away, eyeing Shadow both cautiously and curiously. I think we should go get food because everybody thinks better on a full stomach, which usually means everybody's asleep. But that's fine. And. I think we should take some time to all think about this and make a decision and also let Carlton weigh in. His He may not be the one that we let answer the phone, but his voice counts as much as ours. I agree. In the meantime, I don't think he'll call back well during dinner, but on the off chance he does, we're okay with just Jonathan drunk dial plan? Yes, I'm okay, okay. with Jonathan got drunk and decided to call Thondor back and then, uh, maybe realized what he was doing halfway through you are all also aware that the sending stone can only cast sending once so if thontorvac is if thontorvac is going to use the sending stone again he can't do it at least until the next dawn so we have some time okay 
And you all know that. And he's a dragon. He's lived a really long time. He's not going to be in too much of a hurry. She yeah, thinks. I can't imagine we're that high on his list of priorities in the grand scheme of things. If we were, he probably would have found us a while ago. All right, you guys head to the galley. Carlton, you've you've come down from the, the crow's nest and hung out once again up by where Vera has been steering the ship. And not long after, um, she is calling out orders to people and you can see that they're rolling up the sails. They're securing things as the sun has started to set for the evening. And she turns to you and she says... Well, I'm going to be dropping anchor. We're going to get some food, get some rest, be up early in the morning. Would you like to, to join me in the galley? Uh, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, let me just take, let me just picture, put this in my mind, my mental mind image place, this beautiful scene of the setting sun, and I'm a perception check, please. Sure, I'll let you take one more perception check. Eleven. It's very pretty. Is super pretty. Uh, yeah, the sun is setting. It's you're far enough away from Waterdeep now that you can barely see the shore just off in the distance. Uh, the sea remains relatively calm, and it's a it is bitterly cold, but it is a gorgeous evening. And Captain, which way is Waterdeep from here? And she points. So we've been heading pretty much straight west from here. So okay. right, right back there. It's good to good good to know your bearings. Yeah. yeah. This first time on the ocean, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I'm kind of mumbling to myself, like, all right, so if Waterdeep's that way, and he's over on land, he'll probably come from that direction and not from the other direction. And then I'm beautiful minding how he's going to come fly to us. <laughs> oh, you said something about food. Yes, food. I'm hungry. Yes. She gives you a very long look and says, you worried about something? I've never been on the ocean, so I just want to always make sure I know which way home is. You worried about something coming from home? No, I just want to make sure I know which way to get home. We ha- we can fly sometimes. Roll a deception check. Oh, dear. This is what I need, that critical. Eleven. She gives you a very long look, and she goes, Is it anything that's going to bother my ship? Not at all. She turns and she walks away. And you can see her joining the rest of the crew, except for what looked like to be the night watchmen. There's two or three of them that are starting to light lanterns and things. And she's heading downstairs with everybody. The galley is a very simplistic affair. It is wooden tables and benches. Food is served um, cafeteria style. It is upgraded hardtack and some frozen vegetables. Nothing special. I for a second I was like frozen. I was like, no, it's cold outside. Of course there. It's frozen vegetables. Well, saying. they also have to keep it for a while for an extended trip. So some frozen vegetables and some hardtack. The, the cook seems to be at least um, okay with some spices. So it's not disgusting. But Is there it, any know, broth? Like A little bit, yeah. It's mostly like a, he's made some kind of stew, but the vegetables are on the side. So it's it's a little bit of a, it's not like one big bowl of stew, <laughs> which would end up being just a bunch of mush. And they've got uh, both the grog that some of you have already been enjoying, as well as plenty of, of fresh water and even a little bit of wine. The crew seems casual and um, relaxed, and uh, Captain Vera wanders amongst them after she's finished chatting with people, checking about how everybody has been, making sure everybody is is uh, well rested after they had taken all that time in Waterdeep. Uh, is there anything you would like to do during dinner or over the course of the evening? Uh, Bernie's gonna get whatever broth they're offering, pour her vegetables in, and break the hardtack up and put it in the broth and eat it that way. Okay. 
Jonathan the Match Muscular is going to grab his heart tack, kind of hold it in his hands. And remember in, the, in Avatar The Last Airbender, when Uncle Iroh gave himself away as a firebender by heating his own tea? Jonathan the Match Muscular is going to use firebending to heat his own biscuit. Okay. Brenny's going to see him give himself away and hold her bowl out to heat her lukewarm broth vegetable soup. Jonathan the Match Muscular heats the broth. And no one seems to pay you much mind, as earlier in the day you'd been shooting off firebolts into the sky. So they they are, you get some curious looks, but it doesn't seem like anybody really pays you much mind. Uh, Carlton, uh, Travancore, how about the two of you? Are you just going to enjoy some some food and head to bed? I'm going to keep an eye on uh, Vera Weeping Zane, just uh, sort of sit where I'm sitting, just eat what I'm eating, but like casually just sort of like see where she's sitting and what she's doing, who she's, she's talking to. Uh, she is sitting amongst a couple of the, the crew that she'd been working with. She seems relaxed, but quiet. Okay. I'm so, nothing special. Ding! And Jonathan the Metamuscular hands back the boulder birdie. <laughs> Thank you! Does it taste better now? A little bit. A little bit. It's it has been cold all day. I mean, the inside of the boat is much warmer, but uh, so it's it's less that it tastes better and more that it feels better because it's warm broth. I feel that. I feel that. She's gonna... Did we make it canon that Bernie keeps hot sauce in her bag? Uh, I don't know if we did, but I can. Yeah, okay, Bernie's did. gonna whip out her secret that her... I had friends, and I'm sure every... Like, I don't know if this is just, like, a South thing, but, like, I had friends who reliably had hot sauce in their purse growing up, and I just, like, didn't realize how much I took that for granted until I moved away. uh or that there's like hot sauce on every table in every restaurant unless it was super fancy but yeah bernie's gonna whip out her um her texas pete (laughs) which is (laughs) which is manufactured in winston-salem north carolina of course and uh she's gonna do a few shakes of hot sauce and she's gonna hold it out to her compatriot uh yeah jonathan the muscular gladly takes some Kevin Carl, how about you and Carl, and you want some hot sauce? I'll take some hot sauce. Yep. All right. Uh, and then when she hands it to me, I don't drink it all, but I like just dash it straight into my mouth with the oh. all the crumbs that oh. are in there. Oh, Carl, Carl, no, it goes goes in the food. Yeah. The food's in my mouth already. All of it. Uh huh. You know how I eat. I. As like crumbs are like dribbling out of my mouth and like a little hot sauce. I cannot argue with that logic. <laughs> This reminds me of the time at PAX uh, East a few years ago when uh, someone offered me an airborne and I put it in my mouth and someone said, no, you're supposed to put it in water and I drank water. <gasps> oh, is one of those like the fu- the ones you put in water and it fizzes? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh. <laughs> stronger constitution than I. All right. The hot sauce, it doesn't, it's like the warming of the bowl. doesn't make it taste better, but Whoa, 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 it's, Lord It's hard. Urban. Listen. Let me finish. Do not tell me the hot sauce doesn't make something taste better. Undercover brother would disagree. <laughs> Here's the difference. Instead of it making it taste better, you now just have a better taste in the bowl, which is the hot sauce. So uh. it's more of a distraction masking technique in this case. It's hard tack. Nothing makes that taste good. <laughs> we accept your answer. I accept that answer. <laughs> yeah. Listen, as a Frank's devotee, trust me. Okay. Okay. Well, I went to I Frank's was... last time I was in Buffalo. Oh, Frank's is well. I and the, the hot sauce is like my favorite thing ever. We do have Frank's hot yeah. sauce in our fridge right now. <laughs> because you are a smart person. Okay, is there anything else anyone would like to do, or are you all heading to bed? 
like to say that our friendship was on the thinnest edge it's ever been. On. I will. I will let you know in a second. What's going on? I'm going to bed. I didn't know okay. high enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. Actually, high high. What roll is the bed roll? High roll, low roll is bed. I made low roll the bed roll. All right, low roll's bed roll. Let's do it. Going to bed. <laughs> Carlton. I guess we're rolling for bed. <laughs> well, as we're going to bed, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, I think the captain's on that the dragon might come," but I'm gonna go to bed. bed. <laughs> okay. Maybe we should just all go to bed. Jonathan, are you going to bed or are you staying up? Uh, Jonathan the Med Muscular is. Roll for it. Roll for it. Roll for it. Yeah, let's make a drunk roll to see uh, <laughs> if he gets on the cuddle pile here. Sure. If he gets to stay, if he's gonna be awake all night. Nope, we're all going to bed. bed. <laughs> we're all going to bed. Either passed or failed our bed check, depending on how, you, how much you like sleep. I love sleep. That looks like a pass to me. Yeah. All right. Nope. You all, according to the rolls, head to bed, which is of course that tiny little room that you just spent a lot of the day in, having some intense discussions. But the beds are hard. And not nearly as fluffy and comfortable as either the Golden Rock Tavern or the Pocket House, but they're serviceable and clean. And uh, Jonathan, you go to sleep pretty quickly. Being back on the ocean for a little bit is a little bit of a comfort. The rest of you, it takes a little while. Calm seas make it easier, but there's still that weird rocking sensation that's a little odd. Oh, I can relate. Uh, when I was in India, I was on an AC sleeper bus on the top bunk in the back of the bus. So every time the thing would make turns, like I, my wife and I would bounce back and forth like ping pong balls. <laughs> so the lesson here is take a train. You're in India. They have great trains. Just spend the extra hundred dollars. Yeah. Take the train. <laughs> Always take the train, especially when you're uh, going from Waterdeep to a cultist location. But yeah. I'll say because you all had mostly successful roles getting over your seasickness that eventually you all get to sleep without too many issues. Wake up the next morning that you all have had a long rest. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash dungeondrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC. Are you looking for a D&D podcast that'll make you laugh? How about one that'll make you cry? Sweat profusely with stress and anxiety because of a flippin' mule? Taking Initiative is a Dungeons & Dragons 5e actual play podcast with an audio drama feel. These episodes are scored, character-driven, and filled with utter bullshit. Mostly because of Nick, let's be honest. Featuring special guests, the Venture Maidens, D&D is for Nerds, and more. Plus, we're in Wizards of the Coast podcast of series. Welcome, everyone. It's your pal, Ray Ray. That was an interesting time you had, Nick. I pat the horse on the rump. Thank you, great-grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> he just said his hopes and dreams. He didn't cast a spell. You gotta get down deep and lift from the knees. So that's the only big organ he has. <laughs> Damn. Taking Initiative. Look us up on Twitter at TI underscore pod and on our website, takinginitiativepodcast.com.